This is That's Another Story Told, the podcast. The author, the narrator, the short story. Together they dance in your ears. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of That's Another Story Told. I'm Ian Pringle. Today the story is called Alive. It's a sci-fi fantasy story, quite a short one read by Avon Shaw and written by Chris Vaughan. After the story, though, um, that's not all. We've actually got an interview with Chris today, so um, do stick around for that. And, uh, yeah, see you after the story. Hi, I'm Avon Shaw. I'm reading for you the short story Alive by Chris Vaughan. It's about a girl who's really a robot, but she passes so well as a human being that nobody knows. Alive, by Chris Vaughn. Slow the hell down, you damn maniac, Sadler screamed. His voice was shaky and his eyes bulging with terror. A brunette woman sat in front of him, chest hunched forward and eyes focused intently on the path ahead of her. Sadler swiped aside her dangling locks, spitting the last few strands of tangled hairs from the corner of his crooked mouth. It was only the third of such encounters, yet something about her intrigued Sadler as she weaved through the hovering masses of cars with her agile bike. She was a dauntless one, an emerald-eyed bundle of guts and grit, yet her unassumingly innocent smile gave off the impression of a sheltered, well-read prude. Books are fascinating things, and the first thing one learns in such endeavors is how not to judge simply by the cover alone. Ah, quit crying, you big baby. I'm practically a marksman with this bike. I've done this a thousand times, she yelled back. Car horns blared as she sped past them, narrowly missing more than a few side mirrors. You're going to get us killed, Cass. Well, at least before you die, you'll be the most alive you've ever been. Not comforting. Comfort is boring, she said back. Her eyes settled on the gap ahead. It was a chaotic place, a deadly intersection of whizzing cars, buses, and trucks. Sadler's stomach sank, and the blood drained from his face, leaving a pale ghost of an expression on his frightened mug. Cass, please don't do what I think you're about to do, he whimpered. Cassandra smiled as she slid the goggles strapped to her head over her eyes, accepting the challenge. Cass, no. Oh, yes, she said. No, yes, she yelled back. As the bike entered the intersection, Cassandra entered a nosedive. The plummeting bullet evaded zipping cars by mere feet. Sadler screamed as they dove, a sound only drowned out by Cassandra's joyous laughter. As the ground neared, Cassandra leveled off her bike and hovered to the ground with the most impressive display of grace and dexterity Sadler had ever seen. She had landed perfectly in the designated spot, dead center between the metal grooves. Her bike locked into place on the magnetic sensor, and an excited giggle solidified her victory. Nailed it! A perfect dismount! she exclaimed. Sadler's hands were so tight around her waist, she felt a little air escape her chest. Um, Sadler, can you let me go? Air is very important to me, 
she said. Sorry, he said, pulling away. Y you're not all here, are you? He asked. Of course I am. I'm always here. I love living in the moment, she replied. Sadler gave her a confused look. That was dangerous. Why would you do that? We could have died. But we didn't, did we? Jeez, Cass, are you sure you're human? I've never met a girl like you before. Cassandra's smile vanished, and her eyes fell to the ground. She managed a sad smirk, and her lips parted to speak. If only, she whispered. What? If only you truly knew how adorkable you were, she said back, hiding her sadness with a warm smile. That again, he said, and looked away, murmuring. She liked him, but her secret would have ruined him. She knew that most of all. It had ruined many others in the past, many she cared for deeply. She was more metal than human, yet she valued life more than any other. She had lied to herself for years, told herself she was human, and did it with a smile on her face. What other creature would rejoice in the thrill of being alive more than a human? It had to be true, she thought. She was a convincing liar, one of the best, yet the most elusive question about herself still lingered. If Sadler knew the truth, that she was a lie, would it matter? And there you go. Thank you, Avon. Avon Shaw for reading that. Uh, really lovely narration. Now we're going to catch up with Chris Vaughan and talk to him about the story. I started asking Chris about some of the themes in the story. There's, that, there's something in there about risk-taking, which kind of stood out for me. And, uh, and also, like, something about truth. It kind of, the story for me, kind of like by the end of it, just asked you the question... Yeah, what is truth anyway? Does there's a there's a question about that, and I suppose with sci-fi, science fiction, you know, that's what we're dealing with there, aren't we? We're playing around with truth. So that was that was my response to it, and I wondered what your thinking was about the story. Yeah, and I, I can see I can see that parallel as well, because okay, because because Cassandra, she kind of because she's an android, of course, in this, and the way that I saw it is so she's with this guy Sadler. And the way that she sees it is, I guess if she's risk-taking, taking these near-death-defying leaps, she feels like she's actually a real person. So that kind of speaks to the, the feeling that a lot of people have had of when you're growing up. A lot of people have this feeling that about fitting in and trying to belong, and she has this extra hurdle of being an android in this situation. And as it's alluded to at the end, I mean, she likes this guy. And she asks herself the question, I do all of this to feel alive, like any other human. What human wouldn't enjoy the thrill of being alive in these near misses? But her main question is, if I told him the truth, would he still like me? And that kind of speaks to the whole thing of, if there's something about yourself that you may see as a flaw that you might not like about yourself, if you revealed that to somebody else, would they still see you for you or would the flaw win out and ultimately... Yeah, and that's interesting, isn't it, with the risk-taking thing? Because right from the off, we get the we get the sense of this character. She's she's a risk-taker. She's pushing the edge a little bit, and whether that's just to sort of frighten her friend, or or I don't know, or to get some to get something happening, to get that feeling happening. But actually, she won't take the big risk, which is to reveal her identity. I suppose. 
you know that's that we're and we're all like that aren't we we kind of we we take our risks but those really personal risks those ones which involve revealing things about ourselves are uh, are harder i guess um in that situation yeah so are you, are you a sci-fi writer is that what you do most of the time not specifically i do different types of genre i've done uh, i did one crime story one horror story so i'm kind of i bounce all over the place i did a uh, five fantasy books that i'm currently working on now and i write a lot of short stories on the side just to kind of keep myself sharp and to just you know just just keep it going i don't like to stay stagnant for too long when it comes to writing new things yeah so the, 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 the short story thing that's a it, uh, it's an interested tool is that is it a useful way to just record what comes to you in a moment? It, how how does that start for you? A story, a story like this one, like a live, um, is it just? Does it start with a question? How does it start for you? Right, and the way that I ended up coming up with this one is the same way that I come up with a lot of the short stories. I'll sit there and I may have this idea come to mind, and I'll start writing something. And as I'm writing, I call it like a brainstorming session where I'll sit there, I'll write down ideas and characters that come to mind, and then I'll start formulating a way to kind of link them all together. And then I thought, okay, so I've got this idea of this character flying through this city. I can make her an Android. We'll go with that. And then I start with that. And then I start formulating the story. And the fun thing I like about writing is it's so dynamic because as you have like a skeletal chapter layout, usually how I write a story, I'll make all the characters. What's the point of the characters? How do they link? What's the ending going to be like? What's the point? But the thing I like is as you're writing, new and cool ideas will pop up and you'll think, I wonder if I could make that work. How could I work that into the story? And it kind of creates this organic type of process to the whole system. And I, that's what I really enjoy about it. But yeah, this initially came up through one of those brainstorming sessions. Great. And then so I love the sound of that. You get that the kind of you start off with an idea and you've kind of formed this idea and it's on paper, but then there's a devising process that happens when you, a bit like I'm, I'm from a theatre and drama background and if you're making theatre, you kind of, um, you put it on its feet and then you go, oh, actually, yeah, you could do this, or you could do that and the improvisation takes over and you create new scenes that you didn't think existed until you did that. I suppose it's the same for you, but putting it on your feet is kind of getting it on the page, really. It's the same, but the same process. Um, I was going to ask you now about the, the the thing about this show. What we're trying to do with short stories is just to kind of get stuff read and get different narrators reading different stuff and different authors, um, particularly like in the UK where the audiobook stuff hasn't taken off quite as much as it has in the US. So not every author is like, oh, I'm definitely going to get an audiobook done. So I just, I'm interested in the relationship between the author and the text and then the text and the narrator and what happens for you when you go through that process when you hand over the text to a narrator and then they start to do stuff to it what's that like what's that experience like it's it's been pretty touch and go so far because I've never done anything like this before and my cousin was actually the one who first suggested maybe you should try getting an audiobook done and I'd never even thought about doing that or even knew how to do it but Essentially, uh, I got into contact with Avon through uh, Lakita I've been working with, uh, who helped me publish the book. I got in contact with Avon, and I really liked the audition that she sent in. Out of everybody that we listened to, hers felt like she had the most emotion in how she actually went about giving the characters their own voice. And I just something about it I just really liked about the way she kind of put herself into it. Nice. She's got a 
she's got she's got a nice voice for it actually there's something there's something about her tone a bit husky um it's kind of not a nice gives a nice feeling to that um that kind of fantasy tone that otherworldliness of it i think is really really yeah yeah and i really liked i really liked the way that she like i said emphasized the characters and kind of seemed to feel it a bit more so i picked her and i liked her quite a bit and ultimately the process of passing things back and forth it can get difficult because sometimes you'll have little snafus like maybe a, a small error will happen or something ends up missing but ultimately the process has been relatively smooth because you, you give her the information and the thing that i liked was how quick we were able to kind of communicate back and forth through uh, the messenger we've been using. So she'll have a question about a character. Uh, how does this character sound or uh, what's their headspace, or is there a particular way that this character is supposed to be conveyed? And we can answer questions relatively on the fly. So it's been a pretty seamless, pretty easy process between the two of us. Nice. That's really nice to hear as well that it was your first experience or, or an early experience for you in terms of getting an audiobook done. And actually, it feels like it's been a good experience for you and you've been part of the process, which sounds like it's important for you. I'm interested. Sometimes you read stuff as a narrator and you kind of go, now, if I was writing something right now and I knew the very next thing I was going to do was to say those words rather than read those words or invite somebody else to read those words, I might not quite word it in the same way. Yes, actually. And I did have a moment like that where you'll write something and like you say, in your head, it'll sound a certain way. Or when somebody says it out loud and they put a certain um, influence on it or they, they, they end it in a certain way that you didn't expect, you say, well, that kind of takes on a different connotation. Or mm. you can write something that just sounds dumb when you say it out loud and you say, maybe I could word that better or maybe I could have said that better. But yes, it's definitely a learning experience because it really gives you, it adds a completely different element when people are saying it out loud. Because when you see how someone else interprets a certain way a character says something and you can interpret it a different way in your head, that can kind of change up the context of a conversation depending on how somebody says it. So, yes, that's definitely a learning experience. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's good for narrators to hear that, I think, as well, because sometimes you might make a decision on the fly um, or not quite understand something. I think sometimes you get to a line and you kind of go, oh, I don't. Oh, is that is that been written wrong or that doesn't seem to make any sense to me? I can't quite scan it. And I think that it's and sometimes it might just be that actually you've not read it enough or you've not sat with it enough to to understand what that character is doing and how that is said or how that's expressed. Um, so, Chris, whereabouts in the world are you? I am in Tennessee currently. Tennessee. OK. And if people want to hear about your stuff, see your books, read a bit more about what you do, um, where do they need to go and find you? I have a hang on one second to make sure I get this right. I do have a Facebook page up. It's not yeah. quite an author website, but I do have a Facebook CB Vaughn on facebook cb vaughan okay and I'll, I'll find you and i'll put the link in the show notes as well anywhere else twitter anything like that you got anything like that going on funny there? thing is i used to be really big on social media and stuff like that twitter and instagram and all that i've kind of swore off it after a while i just it, it, it gets pretty 
I guess toxic a lot of the times, but yeah. I just try I try to stay away from a lot of the social media, but I do keep Facebook because I do have it's it's a good way to get some of my work out there. And have you got books out in uh you know normal places, Amazon, Kindle stuff? Yeah. yeah I do have uh I have a short story called Linger, that's yeah. a romance, and I have a crime story called Maxis that's also out there. It is the sequel to the ori- first thing I ever wrote called Catharsis, which I believe is still out there. But um and then I've also recently published the first three books of my uh fantasy series, Donifier. That's the first one, right? Dawn, Dawn of Fire, Union of Fire, and Cycle of Fire is the third, and the other two um, going. Well, I've finished editing them. I just haven't put them out there yet. Okay, that's great. So if they search you up and they search Dawn of Fire and Linger, then hopefully people will find you somewhere on there. Oh other- yeah, I was just going to say, like uh, going back to kind of working with Avon, and sometimes that the narrator has to add things on the fly. I kind of like that. I, I like the ability for the author and the narrator to be able to kind of organically flow back and forth and maybe if the narrator comes up with an interesting way to say a line or something that kind of adds to it in a way I feel like I like being open to kind of change something around if it adds to the character that's a fun idea as well I wonder if you could do a thing between an author and a narrator or a group of authors and a group of narrators where you send them a lot they send them a paragraph they read the paragraph they send you it back then you almost like a game of chess sort of thing. You know, you know, like you play a game of chess with your flatmate, but you just leave the table out and you come and go. Uh, not that I've ever done that. But you see on films sometimes, don't you? So the people come, they make their move and you could swap between you and then just see how that organically changes or turns into things, depending on what the author's hearing from the narrator and then what the narrator's getting from the author. That might be a fun process. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, that'd be cool, a little like round table thing to do. Yeah, a little game somewhere. Could do it across the world as well, which would be fun. Okay, thanks, Chris. Thank you very much, Ian. Really nice to speak to you. And thank you so much for, for lending your story and letting Avon read it and everything for, for our show. It's great. Cool, man. Thanks very much. Thanks, man. You have a good one. Thank you for listening to Another Story Told, the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you do, then please subscribe because you'll get a new story every week. If, like us, you want to celebrate new authors and narrators, then please share this as far and wide as you possibly can. Maybe you have a story of your own that you'd like to submit. To do that, just look at the show notes and all the information you need is there. Thank you.